Hello and welcome to BP's first quarter 2008 conference call. My name is Fergus McLeod, BP's Head of Investor Relations. Joining me today is Byron Grote, our Chief Financial Officer. Before we start, I'd like to draw your attention to the next slide. In our presentation today, we may make forward-looking statements which are identified by the use of the words will, expect and similar phrases. Actual results may differ from these plans or forecasts for a number of reasons, such as those noted on this slide and in our SEC filings. Now, over to Byron. Thank you, Fergus, and good day to those joining us on this call. In February, we outlined our plans to restore competitive performance. The first quarter results reflect the beginning of the momentum that will build over the next two years, with improved operating performance and the benefits of restructuring contributing progressively towards stronger financial delivery. Before I begin the detailed look at 1Q, I'd like to draw your attention to a change related to replacement cost profit. Responding to feedback from many of you, beginning this quarter, replacement cost profit will exclude the tax effects of inventory holding gains and losses. This change should remove some of the volatility that we've seen in the past during periods of significant change in the oil price, as in 4Q 2007, and makes our result more easily comparable to industry peers. We expect the full-year effective tax rate on this new basis to be within the previously indicated range of 36 to 38 percent. As usual, I'll begin my review of the quarter with the trading environment. Our average liquids realization exceeded $90 per barrel in the first quarter, 70% higher than last year. Our 1Q gas realization increased to $5.88 per thousand cubic feet, over 20% higher than both last year and the previous quarter. Taking both oil and gas together, our total hydrocarbon realization was over 50% higher, reflecting the stronger trading environment than the first quarter of last year. By contrast, our refining indicator margin of $4.57 per barrel was less than half that of 1Q07 and 20% lower than 4Q. Turning to the financials, our replacement cost profit was $6.6 billion, 48% higher in absolute terms than 1Q07. Our profit, including inventory gains and losses, was $7.6 billion, up 63% compared to last year. These figures include non-operating items and fair value accounting effects, which on a net basis were not material to the quarter's result. Operating cash flow of $10.9 billion was also significantly higher compared to a year ago. The $13.525 per share dividend announced today, which will be paid in June, is 31% higher than a year ago. The sterling dividend is also up over 30% year-on-year. As I turn to the individual business results, let me remind you that this is the first quarter that we are reporting results on a resegmented basis following the elimination of the gas power and renewable segment. In ENP, we reported a pre-tax profit of $10.1 billion for the first quarter. This included a net charge of $380 million for non-operating items, primarily from embedded derivatives, 
at a $260 million charge related to fair value accounting effects. Excluding these items, our underlying result nearly doubled to $10.7 billion. This reflects higher realizations, plus a stronger contribution from our gas marketing and trading activities and LNG business, which was partially offset by higher DDNA charges and continued sector-specific inflation. Reported production of 3.9 million barrels of oil equivalent per day was flat compared with a year earlier. Underlying growth, adjusting for the impacts of production sharing agreements, was more than 5%. TNKBP contributed $740 million to our 1Q result, significantly higher than 1Q07, reflecting higher prices and a benefit from lag tax reference prices. Our refining and marketing result was $1.2 billion for the first quarter. This includes $610 million for non-operating items, mainly related to disposal gains, and a benefit of $100 million from fair value accounting effects. Excluding these items, our underlying result was $540 million, compared with $1.6 billion a year ago. This reflects improved refining availability, which was more than offset by significantly weaker refining margins and greater turnaround and repair activity, in particular at our Carson refinery. Given that refining margins were at the lowest level for over four years, the R&M result represents a good first step towards the performance improvement goals that Ian Kahn outlined in February. In other businesses and corporate, our first quarter underlying result is flat versus last year. Quarterly results within the segment tend to be volatile, and as such, our guidance on the annual underlying charge is unchanged from the range provided in February. Turning to cash, this slide compares the sources and uses of cash for the first quarters of 2007 and 2008. Operating cash flow increased to almost $11 billion, and disposals provided a further $300 million in the quarter. We use this cash to fund $4.7 billion of organic capital expenditure and $3.4 billion of shareholder distributions. You will note that this quarter's cash capex number is substantially lower than the capex figures shown on page 17 of the stock exchange announcement which includes the accrual for our two joint ventures with Husky. Full details are provided in note three of the announcement. Our net debt ratio was 19% at the lower end of our targeted range. Let me draw to your attention that the fair value of our debt-related hedges is now included in the calculation of net debt. With the weakening of the U.S. dollar, and falling interest rates, the fair value of our hedges has increased significantly. As such, we believe that this revised calculation gives a more accurate reflection of the actual value of our debt. Again, details can be found in Note 8 of the Stock Exchange announcement. I will now speak to the strategic progress we've been making. As I mentioned in my opening comment, 
We are committed to closing the competitive gap through restoring operating momentum and reducing complexity. Since our strategy presentation two months ago, we've made solid progress. We have delivered strong underlying production growth of more than 5%, excluding PSA effects, which reflects the ramp up of production following the startup of major projects in 2007. In Azerbaijan, we have recently completed the third phase of the ACG development with the startup of oil production from Deepwater Ganeshli. And in Angola, we achieved first production from the Mondo field in the Kazamba Sea development. In the U.S., the Whiting refinery was restored to its full clean fuel capability of 360,000 barrels per day in March. And at the end of the quarter, we restored Texas City to a crude distillation capacity of over 400,000 barrels per day, with the majority of its economic capability on track to be restored by mid-2008. We continue to work on reducing complexity within the organization and are on track to deliver a headcount reduction of 5,000 by mid-2009. The associated provisions for restructuring costs in the first quarter totaled $300 million. We have also delivered on items that will help secure the long-term future of the company. We continued our strong exploration track record with Porsche, our 15th successful well in Block 31 in Angola, the saddest discovery in Egypt, a new oil discovery close to Foynhaven in the North Sea, and more recently, Kodiak in the Deepwater Gulf of Mexico. We have also completed the creation of our integrated North American oil sands business via two joint ventures with Husky Energy. And we have announced jointly with ConocoPhillips that we have combined resources to start Denali, the Alaska gas pipeline. Looking forward to the rest of the year, we expect strong underlying growth in production, reflecting the ramp up of volumes from major project startups. However, with the continued strengthening of prices, the negative PSA effects are likely to offset this growth, with reported production expected to be flat if oil prices remain around $100 per barrel. In addition, the second quarter marks the start of our upstream turnaround season, with major planned activity in the North Sea and the United States. This will have an impact on both volumes and costs consistent with the effects seen in 2Q 2007. In refining and marketing, we have seen some recovery in refining margins. However, overall, they remain significantly lower than in 2007. We also expect that our marketing businesses will experience pressures from the effects of higher product prices and a slowing of the OECD economies. In closing, I want to emphasize again that we are in action to close the competitive gap through a focused effort on our three priorities of safety, people, and performance. We are determined to operate safely and reliably, to develop the capability of our people, and to drive performance through restoring operational momentum. At the same time, we're rigorously reducing complexity and cost. 
Our first quarter results reflect the early progress that we're making on that journey. That concludes my presentation of our 1Q results. Fergus and I would now be pleased to address any questions. If audio participants would like to ask a question, they may do so by pressing star 1. To cancel your question, please press the hash or pound key. If you are listening on the web, please submit your question using the web question facility. Thank you, operator. Uh, I think the first question comes from Mark Yonotti at Merrill Lynch. Afternoon, gentlemen. A um, couple of questions. Just um, touching on your last point, Byron, can you maybe give us any firm numbers on the cost savings you think you've taken out of the business so far in the first quarter? Certainly in E&P, it appears that um, your underlying cost base looks um, a little bit lower than, than it was um, in, in the fourth quarter. Um, can you also maybe just make some comments? I, I read at the AGM last week, Tony Hayward, again reiterating Thunder Horse on stream uh, towards the end of the year. Can you maybe just talk through the key milestones we can look for in, um, in the achievement of that, um, that target? Uh, th thank you, Mark. Uh, with respect to the, the first question, we, uh, th there, there tends to be a seasonality uh, effect on, on costs where the, the first quarter tends to run a, a bit below the trend of, of the year as a whole. So uh, and embedded in, in the first quarter is some progress with respect to underlying costs and, uh, and, and the seasonality effect. And it's really impossible for us to, to break the two apart. I think what we need to do is, is look at, at the year as it progresses. And at that stage, we'll be able to to better able to decouple it. And of course, in the backdrop of all of this is the continued inflationary pressure that's uh, impacting the industry at large. So as you can tell, this is a pretty pretty complex thing. What, what I would tell you is uh, with respect to, to restructuring, uh, we took the $300 million charge that I referenced in, in my remarks. We've, to date, uh, uh, taken uh, provisions for the reduction of, of about 3,400 jobs uh, across the group as, as a whole. Now, many of those people are, are still in place, will be leaving as, as the uh, quarter and uh, the, the second half of the year progresses. But uh, as, as that occurs with the uh, continued focus on, on costs and, and complexity of the group, uh, we, we've got a, a, a nice wind that uh, should be blowing in, in, in our favor against the, the headwinds of inflationary costs in, in the industry at, at large. As far as Thunderhorse goes, uh, I, I can only stay uh, alongside the guidance that we've been providing you for uh, more than a year now, which is that, that Thunderhorse uh, is on track for start up before the end of the year. Obviously, efforts are, are being progressed to, to do a little bit better than that. But at, at this stage, uh, the guidance remains uh, the same uh, before the end of 2008. Thanks, Mark. Next question is from Neil McMahon at Bernstein. Hi, I've got uh, uh, three questions. The, the first is really uh, looking at uh, the TNK uh, BP uh, situation. With the current uh, comments about uh, the potential for a tax reduction um, in Russia. I've, I've just wondered what your comments uh, were on that and if you are hearing 
any uh, uh, rumors about uh, an offshore licensing round um, uh, taking place. And then I've got uh, two other quick ones. Thanks. Uh, the tax reductions, uh, clearly this would be beneficial to the industry at large. The, the nature of the, the, the current Russian tax regime uh, was, was fine for uh, a lower cost in environment and for brownfield projects. Uh, it compresses quite substantially the, the returns uh, in, a, in a highly inflationary environment with, with new greenfield projects. So. I, I think the, the Russian uh, authorities have have properly uh, looked in, in response to the, uh, the the concerns raised, not not just by companies like TNKBP, but the the state companies as as well. And we would look forward to to some progress on, on that. Uh, with respect to the offshore licensing round, I I can't speak specifically to that and. I'm looking at Fergus, and not, neither can, can he. Yeah, we'll come back to you on that one, Neil. Okay, uh, maybe just two uh, quick ones. Um, it looks like uh, when you look at your, your tax rate in the first quarter compared to the fourth quarter, which was high for, for 2007, um, it looks like you were receiving some benefit uh, in that uh, the taxes uh, from TNKBP are lagged, um, and you were receiving a relatively high margins for those barrels, and one would presume that your tax rate would rise, not just from TNKBB, but for the rest of the company throughout the rest of the year. Would that, would that be fair to say that, that first, the first quarter is seeing a bit of a seasonality benefit and you'll get a true up through the rest of the year um, in, in terms of, of taxes and, and other areas? Well, we're, we're always trying to... Uh, to project through to uh, a, a tax rate from the, for the group that is consistent with our expectations for the for the year at large. So, what we're trying not to do is create uh, extreme volatility from one quarter to another. So, the first uh, quarter rate that uh, we've incorporated into our results today is reflective of what we believe is the. A re replacement cost uh, rate uh, for the year at large, uh, recognizing that we have made some some changes, as I indicated in in my remarks, in, in the way that we do this. Try to to take out what uh, otherwise in, is inherent uh, volatility on on an annual basis, that oftentimes is compressed in, into the fourth quarter, depending on whether prices are going up and down. And I I, I think that that uh, this change is likely to to be beneficial to the uh, to being able to to calibrate ourselves relative to uh, industry competitors as well. In 2008, uh, we are experiencing on the margin uh, because the marginal rate is is above the average rate. Our profitability is is higher. We are experiencing some uplift as as a consequence of, of that. And in 2007, there were a number of beneficial once-off uh, factors from tax settlements and, and uh, certain disposals that that help to push it down. So uh, the, the combination of all of that leads to a more stable but higher rate in 2008 and 2007. With, with respect to your question about uh, TNKBP, uh, there's nothing unusual about our 
income tax rate in 1Q versus 4Q. It's a, a little bit lower in 1Q than 4Q, but, uh, but uh, uh, not material. And in both 4Q and 1Q, we benefited from the fact that the lag tax reference price was considerably less than the actual realizations from Euro's blend. And should uh, uh, prices stabilize, uh, that benefit, which we estimated about $200 million in the, four, in the first quarter, uh, would be eliminated. And if prices were to go down, then there's a, a penalty associated with that on a, on a quarterly basis. So ho hopefully that, that covers the spectrum of tax effects, both on TNKBP and the group at large. So, Neil, no change to the tax rate guidance for the year of 36 to a 38% being the expected rate. And it is worth noting that the TNKBP proportion as a percentage of the total profitability of the group has been going down for the reasons that Brian gave of uh, relatively high marginal tax rates. Okay, I just have one really quick one. Um, uh, you've mentioned, which is great, that Texas City is back at full distillation capacity, but one presumes it's operating more like a simple refinery since the main upgrading units aren't running. Um, what utilization would it be at today? I'm presuming it's not running at 100% capacity because of the economic uh, reasons associated with uh, the current margin. Well, let me just uh, uh, speak to wh where we are on, on Texas City. As, as you note, uh, at the end of the quarter, we got back to full distillation capacity uh, at, at the unit. Uh, what, what we have ahead of us in the second quarter is to complete the work on uh, two residual hydrotreaters, and that should give us most of the residual upgrading uh, capability for the unit. Uh, what then is, is left uh, in the second half of the year is to uh, complete work on an ultraformer which would allow us to access full naphtha upgrading capacity. So it's, it's not operating as a, as a simple refinery. There, there are, are, are derivative units in, in, in place, so that would be inappropriate to say that. But there are additional upgrading units that, that will be coming on over the course of, of the second quarter and the rest of the year. But absolutely, Neil. I mean, you will see a rise in throughputs at Texas City of maybe 100,000 barrels a day um, in the second quarter. Uh, and uh, consummate rights in measured uh, capacity utilization. But as Byron says, the full economic contribution would be uh, later in the year. Thanks. Next question is coming from Irene Himola at Exane. Irene. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I had a couple of questions, please. First of all, um, I note the Husky deal was completed at the end of the quarter. Can you say what um, the EBIT uh, that you would have foregone in Q1 uh, would be had the deal been effective during the quarter. Uh, the same question, I don't know if you can answer it for Whiting and Texas. If they were uh, during Q1 at the stage at which they're now, uh, what uh, would the additional uh, profitability be? And uh, my final question, uh, at the strategy meeting a couple of months ago, you um, referred, you sort of pre-announced uh, a 2008 uh, provision relating to potential redundancies. Could you just uh, update us on the timing of that uh, during 2008, please? Okay. Uh, well, let me answer the, the first question last because I, I made reference to it uh, earlier. So we, we have over the course of the fourth quarter and, and the first quarter uh, taken provision for 
3,400 uh, redundancies, as, as, as I referenced. We indicated uh, uh, at least 5,000 uh, at our strategy presentation, so you can see we're, we're well on track, and there's additional uh, efforts progressing uh, across our business activities to, to be able to identify uh, personnel uh, to uh, achieve that, that level of, of uh, restructuring, and we'll be taking charges associated with that. As I said, uh, in the first quarter, we took uh, about $310 million uh, worth of charges. In the fourth quarter, we took $340 million, so $650 million uh, uh, across the, the, the two quarters since we announced our intentions. Uh, as with respect to Toledo, uh, what would be the, the difference in the first quarter had we had the Husky deal in, in effect? Uh, negligible with the low refining margins that existed in the United States in, in the first quarter, the, the, the contribution uh, would would not have been uh, the change in the contribution would not have been been significant uh, with respect to the segment or or, or the group. Uh, as far as I'm, I'm not quite sure I, I understand your question with respect to uh, the other refineries. What what I can say uh, is that. The, the combination of low refining margins and the continued recommissioning work at Whiting during the first quarter and, and at Texas City, uh, plus the uh, turnaround efforts at, uh, at Carson meant that the, the overall fuel value chains with, within the United States were a significant uh, uh, P&L losses that was offset by a, a very favorable contribution from our fuel value chains uh, around the rest of the world. Uh, so in aggregate, uh, the contribution from, from uh, the, the value chains was basically break-even. So if you look at our refining and marketing underlying earnings, uh, which was a, a, a bit more than a half a billion dollars when you adjust for the, for the non-operating items and fair value accounting effects. The full contribution of that was uh, associated with the international businesses. Thank you. So a little bit more context for you there, Irene. Yes, yeah, so I mean, just to sum that up, I mean, you're looking at a drag effect from Texas City in particular of, of several hundred million dollars. And that's the sort of magnitude of the turnaround that you might expect as the refinery returns to full economic contribution. Thanks a lot. TPAN at Morgan Stanley. Hi, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, just uh, three quick questions, actually. Firstly, um, Byron, could you just quantify um, the impact on, on maintenance and costs for uh, Q2 and Q3 in the upstream? Um, secondly, I was wondering if you could give an update in terms of guidance for uh, TNK BP volumes for the full year, whether you've seen any sort of change there. Uh, and lastly, just on, on, on PSAs and uh, ACG, um, if you could help sort of model a, a, a profile at $100 oil for 2008, given sort of the startups with the final phase, but uh, the offset with the PSA, um, I'd be very grateful. Thank you. Well, for, we'll start first with uh, the, 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 the turnaround uh, season in 
the, the United States and, and in the United Kingdom. I can't quantify specifically costs. They would be in line. Uh, the work that we're doing is, is more or less in line with, with what we've done in, in, in previous uh, turnaround seasons. Uh, what you should look for is that the impact on, on production in the second quarter is, is uh, more or less in line with what uh, we saw in 2007. So the, the 1Q, 2Q reduction, there'll be a bit more in 2008, but it, it generally it's, it's in line with, with what we've seen previously. And, and the costs associated with that, I, I think I should note that, that all of these barrels that uh, are, are, are not produced as, as a result of the turnaround our high margin barrels that uh, comes from our our, our highest uh, realization areas. So, uh, as one is trying to model the impact, you've got to add costs and you have to take out barrels uh, whose contribution is considerably higher than than that of the average. Uh, with respect to TNKBP guidance, uh, uh, there's nothing that that's changed with respect to. The, the guidance that uh, Andy Ingalls and Bob Dudley provided uh, just 60 days ago. Uh, with respect to the production sharing uh, ag agreement uh, effects, the, the impact in the first quarter, we, we said underlying uh, production growth was, was uh, more than 5%, and uh, the, the back math calculation of that is the, the PSA effects were more than 200,000 barrels a day. Uh, this, again, is consistent with the guidance that was provided by Andy at the uh, strategy session in, in February. Uh, his charts at that time were a reference to the difference between $60 and $100. Uh, underpinning that was already a 50,000 barrel a day reduction uh, year on year as a result of, of the effects of 2007 in a $60 environment in, in 2008. So you take the 50 there, you add on a bit more than 150,000 barrels a, a day as, as a consequence of, of the rise to a $100 a barrel environment, and you get the more than 200,000 barrels a day that I, that I just referenced. If uh, prices stay where, where they are uh, in the current environment of $100 or $100 plus, uh, that's the sort of impact that you should expect, not only in the first quarter, but uh, across the year at large. Great. Thank you. Next question is from Ed Westlake at CSFB. Yeah, hi. Um, still coming back to this very strong EMP number. I mean, clearly um, prices were, were good at, at a time of seasonally lower costs. But maybe, if, if possible, you could give some numbers around the contribution that you're getting from, from the new projects cash-wise. Uh, particularly, obviously, in the Gulf and, um, and, and Azerbaijan. And then, secondly, the, the result of that higher cash flow, clearly, is your, your gearing is lower. Uh, maybe talk through what um, you're planning to do with um, the strong cash receipts. Thanks. Well, we, we are, are not going to provide details on, on uh, region by region of, of the realization. I, I don't actually think it's particularly helpful to, to do that. Uh, the aggregate performance is, is what counts here. Uh, Andy and his team are in action everywhere uh, to realize the, the greatest benefits on the operating side and, and to, to manage uh, on the cost side. And the, the first quarter is an, an early reflection of 
the uh, achievements that have been made to date. Uh, with respect to uh, the, the gearing question, well, we're, we're at the, the bottom end of the range. We, we, we tend to, to look at this on an, on an annual basis, and uh, as you know, there are, there are working capital effects that build over the course of the uh, fourth quarter, and then there's a release of, of inventories and, uh, and uh, other working capital effects in, in the first quarter. So that combined with the fact that there is a, a, a low tax payments uh, in the first quarter always uh, leads to a, a dip in our, our gearing at, at this time. Uh, notionally, we're still focused on, on being within that band. Uh, we're continuing to buy back shares. Uh, we bought back a billion dollars in, in the, the first quarter. Uh, it is, as we had indicated in our strategy presentation, the swing factor. Uh, we're investing uh, a, a lot. Uh, we've upped our dividends. Uh, and to the extent that we have additional uh, cash left over uh, beyond that that is appropriate to maintain our gearing within the band, uh, then we would step up our share buybacks. But uh, we, we don't, uh, at, at the current time, uh, we, we're just on, on, the, on the cusp of this, so uh, we're, we're managing the, the buyback program appropriately. Thank you, Ed. Uh, next question comes from John Rigby at UBS. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, two questions. One is on the U.S. downstream. Um, one of your closest competitors just reported a number of about $200 million plus post-tax. Uh, I think you're down closer to about half a billion loss on a recurring basis. And that's a business that you've regularly outperformed um, before uh, the problems at Texas City. Is that a good guide? to the um, performance uh, gap uh, in the U.S. downstream that we should be looking for and that we're looking for you to recover over the next couple of years. Uh, the second question I have is about Russia, and we've always seen a lot of headlines on Russia over the last few weeks. Can you just talk to um, what you, as, as the shareholder in uh, TNKBP, are doing as regards your strategy for that business and the long-term of that business uh, and how you are going about protecting your position in Russia. Thanks. With respect to the U.S. downstream, uh, as I said earlier, the underlying uh, profitability uh, in the United States was a $700 million loss. You, you adjust for NOI, non-operating items and fair value accounting effects. Uh, there's a huge drag uh, associated with Texas City. Uh, with, with Whiting in the first quarter, uh, there's a drag because it, it wasn't uh, at its its full uh, capability until the end of the quarter, and you you can't uh, dismiss the major turnaround we we had at Carson. So, uh, the, the the first quarter of the year is 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 not reflective at all of the the potential that we have in our refineries, and and once uh, we get those in appropriate uh, operating condition and uh, we're making good progress on that, uh, you should see a much stronger contribution. And I'll, I'll leave it to you to do the analysis between uh, our, our competitors and, and ourselves. Would it, be, would it be fair to say, Byron, that um, in, the, in the conditions that prevailed in the first quarter, you would expect that portfolio of, of refining and marketing assets in the U.S. to be profitable? Uh, I, I can't speak to that, that uh, specific point. Uh, what, 
I would expect is that it would uh, that we would have done much better in, in the first quarter in uh, if all of our refineries were were in operation. Uh, uh, the, the the drags associated with uh, the the combined losses associated uh, with the three refineries I, I referenced was 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 greater than our overall loss within the within the United States. So uh, perhaps yes. The um, uh, with with respect to to Russia, the uh, the the strategy uh, uh, remains unchanged. We uh, we were very happy with with our position in Russia. We found that we're able to continue to to uh, expand our position there. Uh, we've we've acquired additional licenses. We've been able to. To, to extend our, our reach, uh, we've uh, progressed uh, uh, new developments. We've uh, we've sold assets, so we, we've operated uh, the way in which uh, we think uh, it's necessary to operate to be successful in, in the country. Uh, we believe that we've continued to, through our presence there, uh, meet the uh, the uh, obligations that uh, we've. We, we've uh, felt we've uh, we've made to to the government and in, in, in bringing a, a a strong producer to to properly manage the, those assets. Uh, so we are we're very satisfied with the investments that we've made there and and uh, the current presence we we have. Uh, we remain in in discussion with Gazprom to uh, both as BP and TNKBP. Uh, to see what we can can sort out with respect to the the Kavitka field and and those conversations remain ongoing today. Uh, I know there's a lot of speculation with respect to what is the longer term status of our partners in TNKBP, uh, but uh, you need to ask them that question, uh, not us. Okay, thank you. Thanks, John. Now, Lucy Haskins at Lehman's. Lucy, hi. Um, hi, but Byron, you mentioned um, something about um, uh, you know, sort of Husky perhaps distorting um, some of the capex numbers for the first quarter. W w I think I think you've reiterated the guidance of um, 21 to 22 billion for this year. Was there anything else um, in, in the quarter which was unusual? No, it's it's Husky, which the numbers uh, which are uh, in the uh, note note three of the. Of the stock exchange announcement, uh, if, if you look at our capex figure, it was a bit more than nine billion dollars, uh, uh, as you can see in Note Three. The, the combination of the upstream and downstream uh, uh, impacts uh, associated with the, the Husky deal, because of the way we have to account for it, uh, was uh, 4.65 billion dollars. So, the uh, underlying uh, capital spending in, in the first quarter was was about four and a half billion dollars. So. Recognizing that capital spending tends to uh, ramp up during the course of, of, of the year, uh, we believe we're appropriately on, on track for the 21 to 22. Of course, recognizing that if you had TNKBP and, and PAE, our, our Pan American Energy uh, Associate companies, into it, then the, the 21 to 22 actually is 24 to 25 billion dollars, and it is much more comparable to the numbers that uh, some of our competitors are, are are talking about as far as investment in 2008. Hi. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, Mark Gilman at Benchmark. Mark. 
guys, good afternoon. Uh, I had a couple of PSC-related uh, questions. Hopefully you can help out, Byron and Fergus. Uh, of the 200,000 number that you, that you cited, uh, can you roughly split that between that which is specifically cost oil oriented and that which is occurring as a result of rate of return or cumulative production thresholds, which may have a more permanent impact going forward? Well, Mark, I, uh, I'm not going to do that, that breakdown for you. I think uh, uh, the, the complications associated with this are, are, are such that you uh, providing the details may be more more misleading than than illuminating. I, I think that the, the fact that we've been very clear on the impact uh, at $100 a barrel uh, in uh, in both the, the the first quarter and across the year, the longer range guidance that that Andy provided uh, in the strategy presentation should, should be sufficient for uh, you to do the the forecasting re required. Okay, could I specifically ask, did you hit the threshold uh, in, uh, in AIOC in the first quarter? And if not, when during the year in the current price environment would you expect that to kick in? Mark, I'd refer you to the information we provided on the Azerbaijan field trip in 2006, which I think would give you everything you need to know uh, about the way in which uh, that particular PSA works. Obviously, there are other tranche effects in other parts of the portfolio. Um, but uh, it is fair to say that this is going to be a big year for PSA effects, but once those tranche effects have occurred, that's it. It doesn't give you a sense of what our ongoing sensitivity would be to oil prices through PSAs. All right, I'll try one more, see if I can strike out uh, on, on three times. Uh, it, it looked as if there might have been a, a restatement on the gas volumes, natural gas production volumes in the other rest-of-world segment to the tune of an increase of about 125 feet per day. Was that true, or am I missing something that might have been associated with the resegmentation? I think place earlier. I think three strikes you're out. Uh, there is uh, there, there's nothing unusual with respect to the volumes in in one queue. Okay, I'm out of here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Colin Smith at DKW. Colin, he's there. Yeah, afternoon, gentlemen. Um, two questions. First of all, I note in this presentation of the results you're adjusting for the fair value accounting effects to get to the underlying result, which is not something you've done in the past. And I think previously, Byron, you've been sort of fairly resistant even to disclosing those numbers on the basis that they would be awash through the course of the year. I wonder if you could just talk through um, your current thinking on the treatment of uh, fair value accounting effects. And the second thing was just coming back to PSAs again. I'm, I'm a little unclear as to where the 50,000 barrels a day comes from, does that mean that we should be taking the numbers that Andy or the chart that Andy gave and increasing the deduction by 50,000 barrels a day versus the history that we've had? Um, and can you also comment as to whether you're actually seeing the kink down that you showed in 2009 coming earlier perhaps than you'd otherwise expected? Thank you. Well, let me take the, the, the second question first because we've... Um We've, we've uh, talked around that in, in various ways. The, the, the 50,000 barrels a day was what was uh, embedded into the forecast that uh, Andy provided in uh, the strategy presentation. That, that's the impact that was already, uh, let's say, baked into the numbers as a result of the high prices we experienced in 2007. 
plus the $60 a barrel underlying framework that we were describing at, at, at that time. And then on top of that, he spoke to the effect that would occur were prices to reach uh, $100 a, a barrel and showed a range of, of, um, of, of 150,000 barrels a day uh, stretching up to a, 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 a bit more than, than that. And that's what we're, we're seeing now because prices indeed are 100,000 barrels, uh, are, are indeed $100 a, a barrel. And uh, the, uh, the cutting through the various uh, tranches, whether they're, they're cost recovery or, 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 or profit tranches, uh, in, indeed is, is accelerating. Your point about uh, are we seeing then uh, uh, an acceleration, further acceleration than than uh, than is uh, than what was shown uh, in in the slide itself? If prices are to be materially above $100 a barrel, uh, the answer to that is is yes. But I would caution anybody to to progress with uh, working some sort of linear relationship at at higher prices because these things are anything but linear in, in, in their application. So uh, we're, we're seeing an acceleration, which means that the, the longer-term effects uh, as we get out to, the, to um, uh, 2009 and 2010 are likely to be less because we will already experience them in, in 2008. Uh, with respect to your first question, uh, you know, I, I listened to the, uh, the, the comments of, of analysts and investors, and it, it's become clear over the course of the past year that it would be helpful if, as opposed to, to breaking these two elements uh, apart and treating one as part of underlying earnings and the other as, as uh, outside of that, uh, that we just uh, incorporated them both uh, into uh, our, our definition of what underlying earnings uh, were, and that's the reason we've redesigned uh, the page. We've not only provided you uh, data on, on each of the two separately, but then we've uh, shown you what the aggregate amount uh, is. And with respect to the annual effect, uh, that, that's pretty much unchanged. Uh, it shouldn't be material uh, at the segment level, uh, even on uh, it shouldn't be material on the segment uh, level uh, on an annual basis, but it does have a lot of volatility, and and will help you see the nature of that volatility by by uh, pulling it out of the underlying earnings calculation. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Colin. Uh, Jason Kenny at ING. Jason. Hi there. Um, sorry, I was. Uh, <coughs> Looking for a, a bit more of a breakdown of the uh, downstream division, and, and specifically in your uh, QRA, you mentioned that uh, the um, let me find the phrase. Sorry, uh, international business made a significant contribution to the segment result. I just wondered what what significant actually was in kind of percentage terms, if not a, a specific number. Well, in in this case, uh, it's uh, it's a hundred percent of the of the of the contribution came came from the international businesses, which are, are the lubricants uh, business, uh, pet, petrochemicals, LPG, and marine and aviation fuels. And if if I can re reference back uh, to my earlier remarks, the losses in in the United States from the fuel value chains, which uh, again were driven uh, substantially by 
low refining margins uh, in, in the U.S., uh, in particular in the Midwest, and, and the, the integrated uh, fuel value chain uh, uh, margins uh, on the West Coast. So we had uh, very low margins in the United States, and that was compounded by the continued recommissioning work at, at Whiting, the continued work at Texas City, and the big turnaround at Carson. All those ingredients added up to a loss uh, that was basically offset by uh, the strong contribution from our, our refineries and, uh, and uh, fuels marketing uh, operations in the rest of the world. Is that, is, is that, does that do it? So you got well, a, a negative, a positive, and uh, all, all of the contribution then that wash out, and then all of the contributions from the international businesses. Well, I was, I was trying to get a split. You, you split refining and marketing into fuel value chains of international businesses, but in the fuel value chains, you've got refining and then marketing and trading activities. So uh, it's, it's basically splitting out. You, you know you've got your negative results in refiners, but what's the marketing element? Uh, Consistent with the way in which Ian Kahn uh, has uh, outlined the way we're thinking about the business, the way we're running the business on a go-forward basis, we're actually running it uh, in, in this way, and that the guidance that we'll provide you will be along the lines of what's coming from the fuel value chains and what's coming from the international businesses. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Joseph Tovey of Tovey & Company. Good afternoon. I thank you for taking the call. I noticed that you were cutting the personnel. I did not know. I had several questions about that. Are those cuts a result in part of the transfer of some of your operations to um, some of the joint ventures? And if so, to what extent are the cuts uh, a consequence of that? Uh, the, the cuts are directly a consequence of trying to to reduce the complexity uh, in our organization, to to uh, restructure along the lines of of, of a more focused, uh, a more focused and more cost-effective uh, approach to, to doing our business, and it's aimed at pulling out overheads. Uh, as as we said in our strategy presentation, this isn't about taking people off the front line. This is taking away the support people. Um, who were needed in the past because of the the, the complex way in which we've run our business and uh, and what we've we're doing is is uh, changing that substantially. It takes a while to to make the the transition. And one big element, uh, one very big element of of reducing complexity, has been the establishment of the fuel value chains that I referenced uh, earlier, which has very much simplified the interface between functions. And uh, and uh, our integrated supply and trading business, uh, al alongside the refining and marketing operations, where everybody now is looking at the whole as opposed to the individual pieces. So it's 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 a it's a major change in in, in the company at large. It has nothing to do with uh, uh, with joint ventures or anything of that sort. So it's not a case that the same people are being switched over simply to a joint venture, no, no, something of that order. No, no, they are not. Okay. Uh, second thing, and this again may be somewhat off track, uh, at the time when the oil industry is complaining of the lack of uh, people that are available and the need to uh, get a supply, of, an adequate supply of personnel, and etc., uh, are the cuts coming from 
the technical side? Are they coming from the uh, administrative side, uh, the research side? Again, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out as to the, the industry on the one hand saying we can't get enough good people, and on the other hand, uh, your company saying, well, these were good people, uh, but they don't quite fit us at the moment. Uh, within your three categories, it's from the administrative side. Got it. Thank you very much. We've got one question from the web, which is, um, in respect of the very strong performance in the first quarter, how much of it would we characterize as factors that are specific to the quarter, and how much uh, factors that might prove to be ongoing? A tough question. Well, I think that uh, it's best to break it down, and there's, there's four big buckets here, which uh, will, will, and some of them we've, we've talked about uh, already. We've already talked about the effect of the of the tax lag in TNKBP, which contributed about $200 million more than if prices had been flat uh, from uh, 4Q to 1Q. I, I also uh, talked uh, earlier about the fact that 1Q is, is typically a, a lower cost uh, a quarter than, than the second through the, through the fourth quarters. And it's, it's hard to calibrate uh, exactly what that would be, but uh, relative to the, to the average of the year, certainly several hundred million dollars lower costs in, in one queue uh, than we'd expect on, on average across the rest of 2008. Uh, uh, a third factor, and uh, we, we, we've referenced it in the uh, stock exchange an announcement and, and in, in my remarks, is that the first quarter saw a, a very strong contribution from uh, our, our trading operations, both on, on the gas side and uh, on the oil and product side. Uh, within uh, the, 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 the gas side, our, our gas marketing and trading uh, business contributed about $300 million more than what we would uh, term a, a typical quarter. And with, within refining, and, 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 and that shows through on the exploration and, and production results. Uh, in, in refining and, and marketing, uh, the oil trading contribution is uh, in one queue is about $100 million more than, than a typical quarter. So uh, together, about $400 million ab above average. But I would, I would want to underscore that this is a very volatile uh, area and the, the benefits of the good performance in 1Q are further underscored by the fact that uh, the, uh, the, the trading performance was, was, was very weak in, in the fourth quarter and was about an equivalent amount uh, under an, an average uh, trend line. So uh, it's, uh, it's very unpredictable. 1Q was, was uh, extremely strong, but I wouldn't want people to an anticipate that that sort of contribution is likely to persist in subsequent quarters in, in 2008. And, and finally, in other business and corporate, uh, I provided uh, guidance at the start of the year that uh, one should, should uh, plan on something around $1.5 billion plus or minus uh, $200 million, so an, an average of about $375 million per quarter. Uh, it was only $130 million in, in, in one queue, so ran about $250 million below what we would think is, is an average number. Again, this is a, a very volatile uh, area and, and tends to, to, to spike and, and then to valley. But if you add those four factors uh, together, 
the uh, uh, the couple hundred million dollars from the tax lag, several uh, hundred million dollars in in uh, relative to seasonality of, of costs, about four hundred million dollars in trading, uh, about two hundred fifty million dollars from other business and corporate. Uh, we would say that uh, one Q had. Uh, about a billion dollars uh, worth of, of additional contribution that uh, would not be uh, uh, forecastable for, for subsequent uh, quarters. And finally, we've got David Klein from ABN AMRO, a very patient David Klein still on the line, I hope. David? Uh, yeah, just a couple of things, if I may. Uh, just on uh, your last comments on those um, unusual-ish items in, in the quarter, the $400 million on trading, was that, was that a pre- or, or, or post-tax number? Um, and secondly, just on the, the change in the accounting definition of reser, uh, replacement cost profit, just, just I wonder if you can help my understanding a little bit and just to give a bit of color as to why, why a, a, a definition which you now presumably re, regard as suboptimal was, was adopted at, at some point in, in the past or, or even distant past. Well, uh, okay. let me answer the, the, the second question first. Uh, uh, with, with the benefit of hindsight, we probably should have changed this some, some, some time ago. Uh, the, the, the fact is that, that this is uh, – the, the impact of this is, is greatest uh, when we have uh, periods of, of very large price moves, and the very large price moves – are actually uh, something that uh, w was not seen until the last couple of years. So the, the impact of this was, was relatively modest in, in the past, but it was clearly a, mis mix, uh, a mismatch uh, between looking at uh, replacement cost profit uh, as uh, uh, on a before-tax basis and then applying to that uh, in a historical tax uh, um, amount. And it, uh, it, it's, it is apples and, and bananas, uh, and it, it started to become a material difference, and, and we felt that it would be uh, helpful to uh, in investors if we, if we took away that uh, particular bias, which could work in, in either direction, depending on whether prices are, are going up or, or down. Uh, could, could you repeat the trading question again? I'm, I'm not sure I, I got it in its entirety. Yeah, just the, the figure you gave for an unusually strong trading performance in oh, the so, quarter. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that, the, all of the numbers that uh, were compositions of the billion dollars were on a pre-tax basis. So take the billion dollars pre-tax, apply the, the tax rate, so something like $600 million on, on a post-tax basis. That's lovely. Thank you. Okay. Right, well, there don't seem to be any further questions, so I just have to hand back to Byron for some closing remarks. Fine. Well, I want to, I want to thank everybody for, for joining and, and for your questions. One key re represents a good first step in, in restoring our competitive performance. Uh, we, we recognize that there is much left to do and that it will take several years to complete this journey. Uh, we've given you a number of milestones and, and metrics to track our progress at, at the strategy review back in, in February. Uh, we, we, uh, we remain fully on track uh, at the current time uh, to do that. It's only been 60 days, but nothing has happened in, in the course of that 60-day period to change uh, anything uh, that we told you at, at that time.
uh, in, in 90 days, uh, in, in July, uh, we'll update you further on our progress, and we plan on doing that uh, each and every quarter uh, across the course of, of the next two years. Have a good day. Thank you.